before we begin, I do have some prayer requests. First of all is Bob. I've spoken about Bob the past couple shows. He goes Tuesday, this Tuesday, July the 5th at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. If you want to mark that on your prayer calendars, Tuesday, July 5th at 8 a.m. for his biopsy. Again, that's Eastern Time. And then also mark on your prayer calendar for Friday, July the 8th. He goes at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time uh, to his oncologist for the results. And we are praying for a miracle that whatever is found in the biopsy is benign and that Bob makes a full recovery and lives a very long life. Next is my mother, Elaine. Please keep her in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Um, she still goes through her issues with her blood pressure and with breathing issues. And, you know, she's Bob's wife, so she's going through that uh, pressure and stress and worry as well. Next is my wife, Haven. She injured her back at work uh, some time ago, and work keeps re-aggravating that injury, and she's been in a lot of pain, uh, which is not good, especially when it's your birthday week. Her birthday was yesterday, and again, wish her an amazing, amazing birthday yesterday, and pray she stays around for so, so very long because she is such a bright beacon of light and love to so many, not just her family. Next is Megan, Molly, and Gwen. Megan has an opportunity to get a home uh, for her family, um, a townhome that she has been having her eye on for quite some time. Uh, she's submitted the paperwork, so let us pray that the paperwork is approved and that she gets the townhome. So she and her family can finally have a home of their own that is safe, positive, and productive for them. Her daughter Molly is not feeling well. Uh, she is also in need of our prayers. She was really sick at the beginning of the week. She is starting to recover. Let's pray that the recovery continues and that she heals fully and quickly. And Gwen, of course, uh, she is in need of our prayers as well. She has a discoloration on her right leg upper thigh and um, it is starting to fade but let us pray that it continues to fade and that there are no issues with that with Gwen and last but certainly not least general prayers uh, for health and wellness peace and love for Emma and Jean they're not related but they're very good acquaintances and friends and they do so much for so many people. They are truly, truly amazing beings, just like all of you. And if you are in need of prayers, please don't hesitate to contact me. There's information at the end of the show on exactly how to do that. I love to pray and people that listen to the show love to pray. So why not let us pray for you? Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. 
The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How is everyone doing? I so hope and pray that you all are as well as possible and that you've had a blessed week and that you're ready for today's show. I know, look at the title of the show. I know maybe a lot of people won't be here, but maybe a lot of new people will be here. I know I've got some explaining to do, don't I? <laughs> but first, if you're new to the show, thank you so much for finding us and for tuning in. It is my deepest and sincerest hope and prayer that you find everything you're looking for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, here with us and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for being a longtime supporter of the show. You all are family, and everyone is welcome here. This is a safe place for everyone, regardless of your faith or no faith. So with that disclaimer in mind, I want to welcome everybody to the show again and let you all know that it's going to be kind of a uh, throwback to school. We're going to do a little bit of ancient history. Yeah, I know. You all are excited, right? Yeah, I'm sure some of you are probably turning the show off now, but don't. Please stick around. I guarantee this show, if anything, will be very interesting to you. Uh, there is so much to cover, and I've got so much backstory and layers to make before we even get to the topic or person of the show, and that is Hecate. Now, those of you who are familiar with Greek mythology know of Hecate or may have heard of Hecate. Um, we have a long time listener. I'm talking about all the way back to season one, who has been so very patient and has been asking me to do a show on Hecate. Uh, this person practices the craft. Some would refer to them as a witch. Um, you know, I see that as a derogatory term, but I know a lot of people that practice the craft have taken that derogatory term, embraced it, and turned it into a positive label. Uh, even though most people in the West don't, they use that as a derogatory negative label or term. And again, we don't do that here. We are completely open here. Uh, we have open minds, open hearts, and we don't judge anyone here. Everyone is welcome and everyone is safe here. But the reason why I've kept putting this off is because I want to make sure that we're all at a pretty decent level. You know, those who have been listening to the show from the beginning uh, should by now be at a really, you know, good, solid foundational level in your own beliefs and your own faith that you're not going to judge anybody else's faith or their beliefs. If anything, you might say, you know what, that's interesting. It's not for me, but, you know, that's cool that, you know, whatever floats somebody else's boat, you know, as uh, Father Mike said, 
back in episode one of this season, all roads lead to Rome. So, you know, there's many branches to the one tree and all of the branches can be traced back to the source, to the tree, to the divine, whatever you want to label that which cannot be labeled and that which cannot be put into a box. So, come with come me with on a journey through space and time. Those of you who are mighty Boosh fans, I hope you got a kick out of that. So here we are, okay? We're going to explore these, these ancient times that some people practice today. Now, the person that requested this show, as I noted, uh, briefly is a practitioner of the craft. Um, they are followers of Hecate. Now, I wouldn't say worshipers. They are practitioners and followers of, meaning that um, like Roman Catholics pray for, you know, like St. Michael or Archangel Michael's intercession, people who practice Hecate do the same thing. They still believe in a divine or, you know, universe, uh, but this entity, this being, um, some would say goddess, but again, that brings up all kinds of negative terms. And if you're with me now and you're listening, if you look to your right, there's a little garbage pail there. I want you all to put all judgment and preconceived notions of labels in that trash can momentarily. After we're done, you can put them back in your head, okay? But bear with me as we get through this. Believe me, it's, it's really good stuff. So we have to remember that what we term mythology or what we label or call mythology at one time was a and still is for some people a religious practice it was and is their faith or is part of their faith as we saw with uh the pachamama yes i'm sure we all remember the pachamama i know roman catholics do but the pachamama is a goddess label goddess or earth mother that is part of the Roman Catholic faith of the people native to the Andes mountainous range area. So what you see is that people are taking their, their indigenous beliefs from their indigenous faiths and incorporating them into their faith as it evolves. So the Roman Catholics have well two popes, uh, St. Pope John Paul II and St. Uh, he's not a saint yet, Pope Francis. I know some people are scolding me for that one. Ooh, I feel it. <laughs> it's warm in here. <laughs> and Pope Francis have acknowledged and accepted the Pachamama as part of the Roman Catholic practice for those in the Andes region and those indigenous people, indigenous people to that area. So the same still goes for other faiths and practices, which we can term or some people term as mythology. Uh, you know, the Roman gods and goddesses, the Greek gods and goddesses, a lot of people have incorporated them into their current faith and belief system. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with this. And there's no, at least, Personally, I'm speaking 
no heresy to this because, again, all roads lead to Rome. All branches go back to the source, which is the tree, the core, to the roots. And we have to keep that in mind. And you also have to understand, which I'm sure a lot of you aren't familiar, uh, those of you who listen that do practice the craft know that a lot of people who practice the craft are Christian. There are such things as Christian witches um, who have the Christian core belief, but also have that nature, that Mother Earth um, healing, healer kind of uh, practice. So some might argue and say, well, they're they're polytheistic, which means they believe in multiple gods. Some do, but a lot don't. Now, the person that requested this show, I know for a fact, only believes in one divine source, which they refer to as the universe. And they believe that um, Hecate is part of the like angelic system or angelic um, hierarchy that report to and work through and from the divine, from the universe. And this is quite common. Even in uh, Catholic faiths, they believe in an angelic hierarchy. And we're going to be getting into that in a show coming up very, very soon, if not next week, probably the week after, on angels. And I'll explain all of that hierarchy stuff then. But first, before we move forward or move on, I want you all to take a moment and think about your family history. Think about your family tree. Those of you who are my age or older, hopefully had some great times with family who are no longer here in this physical realm, who have moved on, that were very instrumental and essential in your lives. Perhaps you had a mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, aunt, who was very superstitious, but also had all kinds of home remedies, okay? Now, this person could be considered to be a practitioner of the craft. Here's an example. My grandmother, Grandma Eisler, who was Clyde's wife, uh, very very strong woman and very, very Roman Catholic woman. But, but she was very sensitive and open to other realms, to other things, to paranormal. Uh, she would make a, uh, every spring, she would make what she called her spring tonic, which was taking wild dandelions and making a salad and, I wish I could eat it now. I don't have the recipe. Perhaps I need to get a hold of my mom and see if she has the recipe. But I remember the smell of it. And I remember eating the potatoes that were in, uh, that marinated in that. It was so, so good. Um, but as you see, see here, these practices and ways are, and especially those of you who have, um, you know, people, as we say, that live in the country, you know, that live, you know, out in uh, urban areas, you know, have family that up in the mountains that always did this, that were healers, that had home remedies. That also is how people of the craft are. 
they're healers. They don't harm anyone. They're all for helping and for loving and they don't judge others. And but the whole thing uh, in the West in the thing with uh, how Hollywood has portrayed them to be demonic and, and devil worshipers and hexers and all this garbage. Uh, it's just that it's all garbage. It's it's nonsense. Every bit of it is nonsense. And some might say, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe the, the, I bet you there are some bad ones. But you know what? I can say the same thing about Catholics and Christians and every other faith, Hindus, Muslims. There's, you know, negative in every faith. Uh, there are extremists in every faith, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, this, again, is a safe place here. We're not judging we are very open in heart and mind and welcoming to people of all faith or people of no faith. And this is a big school of life, you know, is, is to learn and to grow and to evolve. And so by learning other people's faiths, um, it helps us, even though, like I said, you would say, you know what, that's this is not something I'm going to practice, but it's interesting and I'm glad I got to learn it. And so that comes into play if you run into somebody of said faith who does this practice then you'll know kind of a little bit of their background you'll have common ground a way of communicating a way of connecting you know other than already being connected by the divine everybody's connected you know we're all from the one and all for the one for the all for the one and one for the all there we go and as well this episode will prepare you all for the halloween episode coming up so I don't know if it's going to be within this season, season three of Halloween Lands. Uh, I haven't done the math on it yet. If not, it will be at the very beginning of season four. So get through this show because it will prepare you for the big bomb show I'm going to be doing on Halloween of this year. And those of you who listen to the May edition of the Book Nook know a little bit more about that. Not much, but a little bit more. Okay, so now we have our foundation laid and our framework. Hopefully you all will be able to follow along with this a little bit better. Uh, but before I begin the article that I'm going to read, I want to uh, let you all know that if you are interested in learning more about Hecate, the craft and things of that nature, uh, there is an amazing podcast by Cindy Brannon. It's C-Y-N-D-I. B-R-A-N-N-E-N. -N -E -N. She is, wow, I mean, off the charts when it comes to this subject or subjects. She has a podcast that used to be called Keeping Her Keys. It's now called More Than This at the Crossroads. And I'll definitely have a link to her podcast in the show notes and show descriptions for anyone who wants to check out Cindy's show. So the article I'm going to read is titled Everything You Need to Know About Hecate, Maiden Mother Crone by Danielle McKay, M-A-C-K-A-Y. Uh, Danielle has a bachelor's degree in classical studies in linguistics and a master's degree in classical studies. So Danielle writes, Hecate was the goddess of magic and witchcraft and so much more. And I would change that from was to is because a lot of people still practice today. Uh, her function extended beyond the realms of the heavens, earth, 
the seas, and the underworld. Hecate is one of the lesser-known goddesses of the Greek pantheon, child of Perses and Asteria. She was the only titan to retain her control under Zeus's reign. Hecate's power transcended the boundaries of the sky, the earth, the seas, and the underworld. Although there are few myths about the goddess Hecate, her tales reveal a lot about her spheres of influence. During the Roman era, many of her attributes fell in the realm of the underworld, yet she also controlled elements that placed her family in the light. The goddess possessed extensive powers which were later assimilated by other deities. Hecate could bestow wealth and blessings on her followers, yet she could also withhold these gifts if she were not adequately followed. This article will explore who Hecate was and what her attributes and symbols were, or I should say are. Classical scholars dispute the origins of Hecate's following in ancient Greece. For many, the goddess's worship following has a pre-Greek origin, while for others it originated in Thrace. Among the theories, the most popular is that Hecate was accepted into Greek religion from the Carians in Asia Minor. According to scholars, it is believed that she came to Greece during the Archaic Age. The presence of Hecatean following in Caria is attested by the number of sites dedicated to her. The most prominent of these was in Lagina or Lagina, L-A-G-I-N-A. However, due to these Anatolian sites late dates, other classicists argue that an Anatolian origin is impossible for her. In the ancient sources, Hecate first appeared in Hesiod's Theogony in the 7th century BCE. Hesiod only mentions her per, excuse me, parentage and role in the Gigantomachi or Machi where she slew Clytius However, she is conspicuously absent from the Homeric epics. Hecate's depiction in the Homeric hymn to Demeter is perhaps the most well-known literary appearance. In the hymn, Hecate and the sun god Hyperion hear Persephone's cries when Hades abducts her. After Demeter had searched for her daughter for nine days, Hecate came to her on the 10th with a torch in her hands. The goddess told Demeter all she had heard but did not know who had taken her daughter. Once Persephone was reunited with Demeter, Hecate embraced the girl. She would become Persephone's companion in the underworld when the girl returned to Hades each year. A standard iconographic reference to this myth is Hecate carrying a torch. Hecate's scope of divine duties was extensive in ancient Greek religion. She was most notably the goddess of magic, witchcraft, the night, light, ghosts, necromancy, and the moon. Further, she was the goddess and protector of oikos, O-I-K-O-S, and entryways. 
In her form as a triple goddess, Hecate was strongly associated with the crossroads. She was portrayed as a liminal goddess who can cross from the underworld to the physical world with ease. Her liminality stemmed from her parentage and mythology where she was able to move between her position as a titan and a goddess. This liminality is attested to by her epithets and titles such as Enodia or Enodia, excuse me, E-N-O-D-I-A, which means on the way, and Trodia, T-R-O-D-I-A, which means frequenter of the crossroads, and Propylaea, P-R-O-P-Y-A-L-A-I-A, which means of the gates. So many tongue twisters today. (laughs) By the first century CE, Hecate's role as a goddess of magic and witchcraft was well established by Lucian's Pharisalia. The witch Erecto in the Pharisalia invokes Persephone as the lowest aspect of Hecate. It is in the Pharisalia that we find the hag-like attributes given to Hecate. So we see just from historic point of view, Hecate began in the 7th century BCE and was still prominent in 1st century CE. So we're talking over 800 years that people were, you know, incorporating Hecate in some way, shape, and or form into their faith, into their religion. The article continues by saying her retinue included the Lampadis, or nymphs of the underworld and ghosts. According to mythology, the Lampadis were a gift from Zeus after her her loyalty to him during the Titan Amaki. The Lampadis carry torches and accompany the goddess on her nocturnal travels. Hecate was commonly depicted in Greek pottery in singular form wearing a long robe and holding a burning torch or torches in her hands. Pillars of the torch-bearing goddess called Hecatea stood at crossroads and doorways. Later, Hecate's most prevalent iconography representation is a triple-formed goddess with each form standing back-to-back looking at each other direction of the crossroads. Excuse me, I mean each direction of the crossroads. Some of her statuary votive offerings included the addition of the graces dancing around the goddess. In other representations, she is accompanied by a pack of dogs. In his description of Greece, Pausanias posits that Hecate triple, Hecate's triple form representation was first depicted by the sculptor Alcaminus in the 5th century BCE. He also states that a sculpture of the goddess called Hecate Epergidia, which means on the tower, was in Athens besides, beside wingless victories temple on the Acropolis. Excuse me. <laughs> My Greek isn't so good today. On the famous 
Pergamon altar, 2nd century BCE. Hecateia is represented as a tri trimorphic while attacking a serpent-like giant with a dog's help. Throughout antiquity, Hecate's triple form was portrayed as three separate bodies around a central column. Yet in late antiquity, this representation transformed into a single goddess with three heads. Esoteric literature from this time describes Hecate as having three heads, that of a dog, a snake, and a horse. Hecate was also identified with many goddesses from surrounding pantheons. Since we can see some of the evolution here of Hecate over the years, over the centuries, um, it just she kept evolving and as today still evolves and as all of our faiths and religions continues to evolve as well. In the Roman era, Hecate became amalgamated with the goddess Artemis and Selene, particularly in the Roman poetry. Apart from her combined triple form, she became known by her Roman name, Trivia. The Roman poets encouraged Hecate's trimorphic depictions by calling her Hecate Selene and similar variations. Seneca often refers to Hecate in conjunction with her lunar counterparts and even connects Medea to the goddess. Hecate's most sacred animal was the dog. In a description offered by Apollonius of Rhodes, Hecate's presence is accompanied by the sound of dogs barking from the underworld. Ancient authors such as Ovid and Pausanias indicate that dogs, particularly black dogs, were sacrificed to the goddess. Scholars have also suggested that Hecate's association with dogs points to her role as a goddess of birth. This is because dogs were also the sacred animals of other birth goddesses such as Alethea and Gentilius. Now, for those who are dog lovers out there, yes, I am a dog lover as well. I apologize for the sacrifice mentioning, but unfortunately, all faiths, including Jewish and Christian faiths, did sacrificing uh, way back once upon a time and still do in, in symbolic terms if you count the Holy Eucharist um, of the body and blood of Christ every Sunday um, at communion. In later antiquity, Hecate's dogs became associated with the restless souls of the dead who accompanied the goddess. The myth of Queen Hecuba's metamorphosis into a dog is linked to the goddess Hecate. According to the legend, Odysseus received Hecuba as his captive after the fall of Troy. But the Trojan queen murdered a Thracian king on her voyage to Greece. As punishment, Hecuba was transformed into a black dog and became the companion of Hecate. Another sacred animal of the goddess Hecate was a polecat or weasel. According to the myth told by Anatonius Liberalis, Alcamina's midwife Galantheus had deceived the gods during the birth of Her Heracles while seeing Alcamina in labor pains, Galantheus went to the goddess of childbirth. 
Eilathea and the fates who prolonged the labor as a favor for Hera, told the child had been born. And, yeah, told the child had been born. Period. In retribution for deceiving the gods, Galantheus was transformed into a polecat. Hecate pitied her transformation and appointed Galantheus as her servant and companion. So we see that, you know, she's representing someone, uh, you know, a divine being that can go between veils, go between realms. She can easily move from, you know, the hell realm or realms to our realms to uh, heaven and back and forth and that she helps and that she's compassionate and that she's loving and that she's not like demonic or negative. She actually has a lot of compassion for, you know, others in the Greek pantheon or Roman pantheon uh, of deities and, and actually helps them by taking them on to, uh, you know, be helpful tools for her and with her. So that gets into people who use Hecate in their practice. Hecate is a big um, do-it-yourself. Don't come to me unless it's a dire situation uh, kind of being. So therefore, those who uh, do the practices of Hecate only call upon her in dire situations. They have great respect and the utmost respect and they are doers. They are people who get the job done uh, as best they can on their own and only call upon her intercession if and when is it is direly needed. It's not like they're, you know, driving up to the drive through and calling out, you know, intercessional prayers to Hecate, you know, all the time, because that's something you do not do with this deity. Um, you know, this is definitely a dine in deity. And if you're unfamiliar with these terms that I'm spewing, <laughs> go back to season two to the prayer episode. It's all covered in that. So the practice of Hecate in mainland Greece was not as popular as those other Olympians. The goddess had few dedicated temples throughout the ancient world. Smaller household shrines for Hecate were commonplace in the ancient world. These smaller shrines were erected to ward off evil and to protect the individual from witchcraft. In Greece, Hecate's most prominent following and centers were in Korea, Eleusis, and the island of Samothrace. In Samothrace, she was followed and practiced as a goddess of the mysteries. Evidence of her worship has likewise been discovered in Thessaly, Thrace, Colophon, and Athens. The latter two cities bear evidence of the sacrifices of the dogs. Again, sorry, folks, this is going way, 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 way back. We're not doing this now. Uh, Pausanias offers that Hecate was the goddess most worshipped by the people of Aegina, who believe that Orpheus established the rights of the goddess on their island. Pausanias also described a wooden image of Hecate located in the Ten Temple. Although Hecate does not have a Homeric hymn in her honor, 
She has several Orphic hymns. In fact, the collection of Orphic hymns opens with a hymn dedicated to her. This is significant because of her role as a goddess of entryways. The Orphic hymn to Hecate reveals a lot about her spheres of influence as perceived by the Orphics. In their mysteries, she was the goddess of roads and the crossroads and invoked as such. Most notably, she is called the goddess of the dead who presides over deserted places. In this hymn, her sacred animal include deer, dogs, and wild predators. She is described as the herder of bulls and a nurturer of youths as well. The hymn beseeches the goddess to come to the holy rites in a favorable mood with a happy heart. The goddess Hecate proves to be more interesting the more we learn about her. Her position as a liminal figure and a goddess of the roads and entryways illuminates her position as a protector. Yet her role as a nocturnal goddess of magic and witchcraft reveals a darker side. Hecate is a multifaceted figure deserving the same attention level as the more popular deities from the Greek pantheon. So a really good way to summarize Hecate, or at least I feel personally a good way to summarize Hecate is this, is that we have to remember that the divine is everything on all levels of reality in all dimensions. And we have to remember or know that there is so much more than meets the eye, literally. There is so much um, paranormal, um, so much in other dimensions that we have absolutely no clue or inkling about. Um, and so Hecate is a matriarchal version or matriarchal branch of the divine. The divine, for those who believe in Hecate, the divine is through, working through Hecate, like the divine works through angels and works through saints and works through us um, in all things, whether animate or inanimate. So I hope that kind of uh, helps pull things together. And it's good because we, for the most part, especially Christians, have and live in a patriarchal a male-based and male-dominated uh, faith and religion. And there's got to be a balance. There is a balance in the divine um, between father and mother. And we'll talk about that as, as we go in shows. And, you know, for those who do practices of Hecate or ask for Hecate's intercession— that's all they're doing is they're they're calling upon that matriarchal that mothering that because that's what Hecate does is she is a mother of the world she uh, is there with us from birth to death and everything in between um, and we'll have another one coming up here again for the Halloween slash Dia de los Muertos uh, this coming up fall uh, episode about a saint 
who is very similar to Hecate. And again, I don't want to say too much because I want this to be a surprise. And I'm, believe me, I'm sure it's going to be a huge surprise. Okay, <laughs> one more thing. Sorry, folks. This just in. The Spirit just tapped me and said, say, say this or explain it this way. Okay, in comparison uh, with or trying to understand Hecate's significance in, in what Hecate does and the matriarchal motherly aspect of Hecate. If you're a Roman Catholic or an Orthodox Catholic, uh, your uh, prayers for asking for uh, Mother Mary or the Theotokos or the Blessed Mother to intercede is almost the same thing. I mean, I'm not comparing the two, but I'm saying what the two do is identical because in the Hail Mary, you're asking for um, the Theotokos, the Blessed Mother, to be with you, to help the, for the forgiveness of sins, to ask for your forgiveness of sins from her son, and also to be there with you at your time of death. See, so again, I hope that helps connect the dots and kind of brings a, oh, okay, or an aha kind of uh understanding when it comes to Hecate. So I hope you all have enjoyed um, this very brief um, history lesson, ancient history lesson uh, on Hecate. And infinite thanks and blessings and love to the long-term, uh, long-listening person uh, who wishes to remain anonymous because they don't want to be berated or badgered and and I feel so bad that they feel that way because, again, this is a safe place. But I greatly respect their privacy. And I thank them, you know, not only for, you know, recommending and suggesting a show on Hecate, but for also for being so patient <laughs> with me getting to this, what, 44 episodes later uh, on the show. So infinite thanks to them and to all of you for listening. I hope we all learned something. Um, you know, as I've said, you know, going back to the Pachamama um, with the Andes, uh, Roman Catholic practitioners and followers is that, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with incorporating other beings and things into your practice. You know, Roman Catholics are, are uh, you know, and Orthodox Catholics as well. Do this very much so with angels and saints. Um, it's it's infinite. I mean, it's it's nothing for someone to have, uh, you know, like I would say, a, a pocket full of saints that you constantly uh, ask for intercession, that you ask for prayers, uh, for help. Um, so, you know, it this goes along the same lines as that. And when I get into the angels uh, show, which is coming up, like I said, it'll be either next week or the week after. So you'll have a, there's a little spoiler there. <laughs> we'll get into this more on how uh, the hierarchy of these beings, and there's so many, if you think there's just like one kind of angel or one type of uh, angels, uh, no, there's actually three different levels with hi hierarchies within those levels. And we'll be talking about that coming up. Okay, so I would like to close with a Hecate prayer. And those of you who are already <laughs> screaming at me, um, you know, saying this is heresy, please, you're more than welcome to uh, turn the show off if you haven't already done so. 
So I'll give you just a second here and then I will start the prayer. Okay, so this is an evening prayer to Hecate. It says, With star-lit skies and moon-filled night, I send this prayer to take flight. Across the land, sea and air, by candle flame and incense fair, may my words be ever true. From my heart, I now find you. May their sweet, their sweet intention be accepted by you, O loving Hecate. May you find them pleasant and fair, and may they please you beyond compare. May your light shine to show me the way, guiding me through to a brand new day. So I may praise you just once more. This is my love evermore. And that was by Benu Hekka, B-E-N-N-U-H-E-K-A. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes and description. I so hope and pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you've been searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, and more here with us. Don't be a stranger. Come around anytime, all the time. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. Um, a link can always be found in the show notes and show description. Now, I know some people like to do that, that, that helps them feel as you know they're contributing and doing something and this is the best way because some people have asked me about setting up a patreon and i'm completely against that i don't want to accept any kind of money for anything i'm doing here jesus didn't do it buddha didn't do it i didn't do it before when i taught uh, buddhism and eastern philosophy for four years um, but i will accept books so i do have a list uh, on that wish list for the show that you can, if you feel compelled to and you have the means, please don't take from your grocery money or your bill money or from just life money. If you have it and you want to make an offering, then go to the wish list and do so. I would be beyond grateful and appreciative. And by purchasing books and sending them to me, what you're doing is you're helping me educate myself so I can then pass that education on to all of you. And that also sparks and creates and inspires more and more shows. So it's a gift that keeps giving that's never ending. I'm always open to questions and suggestions. Um, as I always say, there's it's always like crickets in my mailbox. <laughs> I don't hear much from anybody but you know unless it's family and there's nothing wrong with that but I know there are so so many of you all over the world that are listening and I completely understand and I respect your privacy and I respect that you're quiet um, and but I do want you all to know that I'm here for you all the time and uh, again speaking of suggestions I mean I know there are so many amazing angels and saints, past and present, in your community, in your country. Could even be you that the world doesn't know about, but by gosh, we should know about. Um, could be some that have come and gone that are fading from memories and hearts. And we 
tend to, you know, shine the light on a lot of those here in the show. And that's kind of one of the goals of this show is to make sure these beings stay alive because they are such amazing, truly amazing. Um, it, it's tragic for someone, anyone really, to be their memory to be lost, uh, their life to be lost. And we don't want that. So again, please, please, please feel free to contact me, share these people with me, even if it's you. Please get with me, share with me so I can share with the world. Remember, you don't have to be alone on your spiritual journey. Again, I'm always here for all of you. I'm always available to help guide, uh, offer advice. Uh, you can always email me directly or contact me through the website. My services are ever growing and expanding as the spirit takes me and as you all need. And the cost of these services or all services I provide is absolutely zero. Absolutely free. I'm here for you guys. Next is prayers. Uh, you guys always hear me say this and you always will. I love to pray and so do listeners of the show. So please let us pray for you. So all of these services, how do you make it happen? by contacting me. And how can you do that? There's two ways you can do that. First, you can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast, all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. And the second way is through the website. There's a contact button on the website where you can email me or you can fill out the prayer request form at the bottom of the webpage. You can also use that form for also asking for help, for guidance, for suggestions, for advice. Use that as well. It's a, it's a catch-all form. Use it as you need it. So in order to find the website, you go to Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word, faithandmorepodcast.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash my dash site, S-I-T-E. And there's always links to my contact information, email, and the website in all of our show notes and show descriptions. So, until next week, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you is in my heart and prayers. Bless you. <laughs>